are tuned in to CFCR 90.5 FM. It's time for the nerdy news. It's Punch Radio, and in studio you have Jody and Dave. Hello, Saskatoon. Hello, and you will hear from Hank and Craig. They are doing their top 10 movies of 2023. Oh my gosh. Yeah, well, like... The, the ones they like the best, because there's a couple still that they haven't seen, apparently. That oh, there's a couple we haven't seen, well, one you haven't seen that we're going to talk about today, and yeah, man, they, I, I'm looking forward to hearing what they pick, because yes. I know there'll be things in there I haven't seen. <laughs> For sure. And Brennan is going to revisit Aquaman. I think he felt bad that he gave it such a pan last week, and he's had a little more time to reflect, so we're going to hear a little bit more about Aquaman, too. But we're going to start with... A review, and this actually was Hank's number one movie of the year. Yeah, yeah, it'd be a contender for me as well. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to see this yet because I was a little under the weather when you went, but Dave had the privilege and pleasure of seeing Yorgos Lanthimos's new movie, Poor Things, and how was it? I actually went with Craig. We had a, a little chance to talk about it after. I think I was a lot more buzzed by it than he was. And this is a really nerdy movie. Like, this is one of those movies where if you know and you love the director, you will have a really good time. But if you take somebody to this as, like, their first Yorgos Lanthimos movie, uh, they're probably going to be creeped out and find it a little bit weird. Is it Emma Stone? Yes. Giving, like, a, a really, really amazing performance that I won't spoil for anybody by talking about it, except to say that there is kind of a mad scientist element to this story. All of that mad science results in Emma Stone's character, and she plays it really marvelously. Well, I love the Emma Stone uh, Lanthimos pairing because she was incredible in the favorite. Yeah, I think she was just as good as Olivia Coleman in that movie, um, and Rachel Weiss probably was too. And I just I I get what he's doing here. He's he's playing with CGI to a really crazy extent where, I mean, everything looks fake and he just embraces that. Uh, it's it's an incredible visual experience, so I want you to get a chance to see this in the theater. But really what I liked about it the most was that it, of all the movies that he's made, uh, The Lobster, Killing of a Sacred Deer... Um, Alps. Alps. Dogtooth. Uh, yeah, yeah, Dogtooth, his first movie, that is what... Uh, poor things reminds me of the most because it plays with that theme of how a parent really controls a child's world and everything that a child sees when they're growing up is seen through the lens of their parents and what can happen when the parent takes a really really controlling approach to yeah how the child is raised what they're exposed to and even though that sounds tragic because stories about people being raised by, you know, restrictive parents are always sad stories. This one really isn't. There's got there's doses of tragedy in it, but really what we do here is go on a voyage with this like one of a kind character and this one of a kind performance. Ooh, that is compelling. I love him like Dogtooth and Alps lobster favorite such great movies and he's got a really different sense of humor that differentiates him from anyone else yeah and he's, he's not af afraid to play around with high concept yeah you know like uh, like the lobster is obviously very high concept yeah if you're still single when you're of a certain age you get sent to a camp and if you don't get 
paired up with somebody in a certain amount of time, then they turn you into the animal of your choice. Like, that is a ridiculous pitch for a movie, but he, he made it. He makes it work, and the cast is brilliant. It's so good. Yeah, and like you said, weirdly funny. Like, you have to give yourself permission to laugh at these situations and see the humor in them, even though they're sometimes comically tragic. They are, and they are sometimes baffling, but instead of feeling confused, just embrace it and go with the flow. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what you think. Oh, I, I want to see it. I'm very excited. I've been told that it's quite sexy. Uh, yeah, I mean, part of the awakening of this character's journey is a sexual awakening, and yeah, it's not, it's not family friendly. Okay, good to know. That's okay. But it is nerdy. Awesome. I love nerdy. Okay, speaking of nerdy, let's throw things over to the fellas and get their take on the best movies of 2023 and Brennan's revisit of Aquaman. So take it away, fellas. Hey, everybody. It's Craig Sillifant on Punch Radio on CFCR 90.5 FM. It's officially 2024. It has been for a week or so now. I'm joined, as always, by my good buddy, Hank Cruz. Hank, say hi. Hi, let's go. Let's rock. Yeah, we're talking real fast here today because we want to get through our top 10 films of 2024. You can look at Hank's overall list at, at Fisher Cruise, and you can see Mike Fisher's there too. Uh, or you can go to craigsillifant.com to see uh, my best and worst movies of the year. But we're just going to count down from 10. I will start. My number 10 film of the year was Priscilla, her feminist take on Elvis Presley based on Priscilla Presley's book. Uh, you know, we give these huge artists like Elvis a pass on things like underage girls and manipulating them. Uh, and this movie does not give them a pass. Uh, would have been way higher on my list. In fact, I think it's a beautiful movie. It's really well written. But I just feel like without giving anything away, the ending becomes uh, really anticlimactic. So uh, I couldn't I couldn't get it higher than 10 on my list. What's your number 10? My number 10 is a movie that I thoroughly enjoyed. Air, uh, the one about Michael Jordan's Nike Oh, the Air Jordans. It was a great movie. It was fun. And uh, surprisingly, I now own a pair of Air Jordans. Uh, hmm, when I bought them right after the movie. There we go. Number 10. My number 9, John Wick Chapter 4. John Wick on my top 10. Yeah, as it turns out, I love the movie. It was... Uh, Everything about it was fantastic. What was your number nine? Go. My number, I will say uh, Air and John Wick were both on my longer list. Uh, so they both made my best ofs, just they didn't crack the top 10. But my number nine was a smaller film called I Like Movies. It's on Netflix right now. You can watch it. It's actually a Canadian film from director uh, Chandler Levac, uh that is about a kid that works at a video store. Uh, he's very socially inept. And it's just about him forming relationships while he deals with his mental health and other issues. Uh, and has some very funny jokes about Canadian production values. So it's called I Like Movies. That was my number nine. What's your uh, what's your number eight? I have not seen your number nine, so thank you. I'm going to yes. go watch that. Do it. I'm going to go watch that. And you used to work at a video store, right? I did for many years. Brought yeah. Back. Oh, the memories. The memories. Memory. My number eight, my buddy Wes Anderson, Asteroid City. I thought it was, you know what? And people are like, could you describe that movie? I sure can. Wes Anderson made a movie. Uh, you should go watch it. There you go. It's oh, just, okay. It's fantastic. Uh, I didn't love that one, but not that it's a bad movie. I'm just so sick of him doing the same thing over and over and over again for every movie. Oh, uh, but that's what I love, Craig. And it's like, you know what you're going to expect, and it makes me feel warm inside. 
you know? Yeah. Well, that's fair. I mean, I'm, I think people, some people hated it like me and some people loved it like you. So yeah, I'm right. Uh, you're wrong. Okay. Let's move on. <laughs> My number eight is the holdovers. Uh, Alexander yes. Payne, Paul Giamatti plays a guy stuck over Christmas break with a troubled student and a woman grieving the death of her son in Vietnam. Now this isn't like an amazing mind blowing movie or anything. It's just really, really, really well done. And in fact, his last movie, Nebraska was probably better, but like, this is just a really good movie. And technically it's a bit of a Christmas movie. You can watch it at the holidays, uh, you know, in the coming years. So uh, I assume you saw that one. Did it make your list? I did. And uh, Mike loved it as well. He put that as his favorite movie of the year. Wow. It also won uh, a couple golden globes uh, the other night there for uh, supporting actress and the Paul Giamatti one for actor. And I think it won a few other things too. So yeah, I love that movie. Yeah. I'm wearing my in and out shirt uh, today. And I happened to notice this morning that uh, Paul Giamatti was, uh, went to in and out uh, in Westwood after, <laughs> After his win so that's fun yeah the golden globe sitting on the counter at in and out classic my, uh, my number seven is past lives it's a very low-key affair it's about a young korean boy and girl who have a special relationship as kids but then the girl moves to canada and then america and she grows up there they find each other years later and have to navigate what their relationship looked like a lot of people are comparing this to richard linklater's before trilogy which i can see now it's it's not a very like it's not a movie where everything's exploited for drama i think she's more interested at you know what's inside of all of us and the joy and pain that come with some of these types of relationships. So it's just a, a wonderful humanist film. That's my number seven. Uh, I also enjoyed that story. It's not on my top 10, but I did enjoy it. And the actress whose name is escaping me is fantastic. She's been in a bunch of stuff recently. I'm like, oh yeah. My number seven, Anatomy of a Fall. Did you oh, see yes. that one? I did, yes. It will appear on yep. my list later. Oh, no way. Spoiler alert. Then uh, there we go. I loved it. It was a great movie. Okay, uh, I'll go with my uh, number six, Fremont, which is a movie I don't know if anybody else has seen. It is, and I, I put it on, I wish it was, I almost put it higher. But the short version is there is a woman who uh, it was a translator in Afghanistan. Uh, she moves to America, ends up working in a fortune cookie uh, factory where they're making fortune cookies. Uh, she doesn't really have any friends. She feels alone. She's got some mental health issues. She gets promoted to actually write some of the fortune cookies and then ends up trying to go on a date with somebody. Uh, and then that's all I can say because there's a lot of spoilers. But uh, it is a, quite the emotional movie. And uh, if you get a chance to see it, go see it. It's I'm going to check that one out. I saw the trailer for it a while ago, and it looked super interesting. And then I didn't even realize that it appeared until I saw it on your list the other day. So. Uh, I almost had tears in my eyes when near the end, Jeremy Allen White, who's now like the top guy and everything now, uh, he's in there for like a few very important scenes. And it's like, oh my God, it's good. Go watch it. Okay. Okay. We got four minutes left and we're at number Hopefully six. We can do this. Okay, let's race. Through. So my number six is Poor Things, Yorgos Lanthimos's new one. You know, it's just, it's brilliantly conceived. It's really funny. It looks amazing. The acting's great. It would have, in fact, been higher on my list, but I just didn't think there were any real stakes or obstacles for most of the movie. So it's sort of dramatically inert, but uh, it's still a really fun movie and worth checking out. That's my number six. And what about your number five? What do you got there? Uh, my number five is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Now, I just think like, you know, Marvel's in a bit of a tailspin right now, but I just thought this was really funny. It's a little bit bloated and there's a lot going on, but it was still a really fun movie. And I had no idea that my 2023 bingo card would uh, feature feeling actual emotions at the plight of a CGI raccoon. So, And some other animals too. Like it was like, it was, it was surprisingly emotional. That one, uh, no, my number five, uh, Blackberry um, about the story of Blackberry, the, the phone is great. And uh, right now you can see it 
for free on CBC Gym. There's a plug. Go Canada. There you go. Go see it. I haven't um, seen that one. I heard good things. And then uh, number four, Dream Scenario. Have you seen that one? I have. Yes. It was my number 11, actually. Oh, look at that. Well, it's my number four. Uh, Dream Scenario. Nicholas Cage being awesome. And it's uh, everybody in the world now starts dreaming about him and things take a turn. Uh, everybody should go see it. Go, number four. Yeah, my number four is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. So uh, again, a really fun uh, movie, obviously, you know, brilliant creative animation. And I think it is the same thing that Guardians does that why these two comic book movies landed so high on my list is it focuses on the characters and things and you know the story not just like a bunch of crazy action for no reason my only complaint about this film is that it cuts off halfway through like it doesn't doesn't come to a great conclusion to spin off into the next movie it, it just cuts off so uh, that's my number th- four number three i got godzilla minus one who would have ever thought that a godzilla movie would be super emotional the person that wrote it, directed it, and did all the effects just did an outstanding job of turning a Godzilla movie into something so much more. Uh, when you get a chance, go see it. Uh, it was in the theater here for a week, disappeared. They brought it back for another week. It'll disappear. So when you get a chance to see it, probably streaming, you got to watch it. It's uh, very emotional and amazing. And amazing. Yeah, I really want to see that one. I missed it when it was doing its uh, bouncing around in the theaters, but... Uh, my number three is Oppenheimer, uh, the Chris Nolan three-hour movie about guys talking in rooms that's somehow a fascinating and compelling theatrical experience. So, I mean, that's really all I need to say about that one. But. Yeah. Uh, number two, American Fiction, which uh, until I saw Poor Things was my number one. But American Fiction, a, uh, a black uh, writer in uh, the United States of America is having some real issues with how other authors and just America is going and stereotyping and taking all the tropes of uh, everything we know about being black in America. And so he's like, ha, 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 I'll write a really dumb book to make fun of it. And then as it turns out, that book becomes very popular. And then things take a turn. It is a comedy, but also it really uh, hits home with a few things. Your number two, go. My number two is Killers of the Flower Moon, Martin Scorsese. Uh, I think I'll grow to like this movie more as I see it even. But, you know, I think that sometimes it takes the audience to catch up. To Martin, he's usually ahead of us. So I, you know, I know some people may not love this movie, but to me, it was a, it was good. It was number two. And uh, my number one, uh, you mentioned already, poor things. Emma Stone, fantastic. Uh, what I have told everybody is, if you go to the movies once or twice a year, do not watch this movie. It is not for you. That's it is fair. not for you. It's a very artsy movie. It's way out there. We don't have time for me to go into it, but it is uh, Emma Stone's best performance she's ever done. Very uh, The writing, the direct, everything about it is fantastic. I love this movie. Poor Things. Craig, you're number one. I think I know what it is. You know what it is if you've been paying attention. It's Anatomy of a Fall. Uh, oh, probably a movie. film most North Americans wouldn't be aware of, but it won the top prize, the Palme d'Or at the Cannes Film Festival. I think it's picking up speed for the Oscars too, for uh, at least the foreign category. It's a riveting mystery, but also a story about marriage uh, and all through sort of a courtroom uh, procedural. So that's our top 10 movies of the year. Go to at Fisher Cruise to learn more or uh, craigsillifant.com. And we will see you next week. We're going to throw back oh, to Jody. I'm out of breath. Hello, Punch listeners. It is Brennan here once again with some ideas, concepts, opinions to improve your life. That's right. We're not here just to entertain, educate, or elucidate We are here to improve your life. Now, today I have a very special guest. Last episode, 
my friends that we called Barbara, and I had talked about Aquaman right after we saw it. And after seeing the movie, we have talked about it since then and thought it would, nice, it would be nice to do a follow-up episode. We've had a week to philosophize about it, to have deep thoughts about it. So we thought we'd come back one more time to discuss Aquaman 2 in greater detail. Uh, so tonight, now we also realized that maybe Barbara was a little bit too obvious. So tonight, my friend Barb, her name is going to be Barbaran. So that will be her alias for tonight. Just so you know, Barbaran. Barbaran, please say hello to our Punch Radio listeners. Hi. All right. So after thinking about Aquaman 2 in great detail and uh, talking to other people and getting some more opinions, what else would you like to talk about Aquaman 2? What new opinions do you have or would you like to expand on your ideas from last episode? Please tell us, Barbaran. Well, I don't know if there's anything really to expand on because there's nothing really to that movie. That might be the issue. I mean, like, it feels like they didn't know... I think I said this before. They, they didn't really seem to know what story they were telling. They seemed to start a lot of stories, but they never seemed to finish them. Like, we never got, like, the whole story about, like, like well, what was Black Manta? Like, we never finished that story. We never finished that. Like, what was the global warming thing? Like, so- like was it supposed to be, like, a comment on today's society? Well, what, what's the, like, do you have a solution? Do you even have, like, the problem outlined? They didn't do any of that. They just said, oh, it's because of global warming. And, and why should Aquaman care about it? Because he likes hamburgers. <laughs> so we, okay, so the global, okay. So this is definitely what happens. And we actually <laughs> talked about this before we came on air. They establish, like, at least five or six sort of different plot lines but then they never really follow one to fruition. Like when the global warming thing comes out, and again, not a big spoiler, it happens within the first 20 or so minutes maybe, um, it seems like this wedged in social conscience, like almost oddly propaganda, like, oh, global warming. And then it turns out to be part of, the, of what's happening, like with the bad guy, but it seems so clunky and clumsy. And I think that's what happens with a lot of the story. It seems just clumsy in general. Now, we had talked about, we don't know, there could be stuff on the editing room floor that makes it make more sense, but that's not what we see. What we see is the clunky version. Or to paraphrase somebody in the, in the social situation I was in last week who said it was written by ChatGPT. And that might be the new joke, but it kind of does. Like, it hits all the right notes of what should be there, but doesn't follow through with any of them. Because there are very multiple storylines. And, um, and also, uh, Barbaran made the point that it seems like a lot of people are acting in different movies. So Jason Momoa was told to be as Jason Momoa-esque. Is that, is that a verb, Jason Momoa-esque? It is now. As he could be. And so like, tonally, we have people that seem to be acting in, in different movies. Well, yeah. I mean, like, it seems like they're not telling the same story. Or they were told a different story when they were acting the parts than what was actually pulled out in post-production. Because I feel like that's kind of the real problem of that story is that they don't have symbiosis, maybe? I don't know. Ooh, between, between, <laughs> between what the editors are doing and what the actors were doing and maybe what even the director was doing. It just doesn't seem to be that everybody's telling the same story. Well, originally I heard that his idea, uh, the director, uh, James Wan, Jan, Jan Wan. Uh, listeners, look it up and tell me who it was. I think it was Jan Wan. 
wanted to do like a horror version of like a Cthulhu monster attacking Atlantis. That's what he wanted to do originally. Which, by the way, sounds really cool. Which I think would have been really cool. Instead, he had to do Aquaman too. So I'm almost wondering, like script rewrites. Like I wonder how many people helped write the script and how many changes it went through and like how, you know what I mean? Like um, Sam Raimi, when he talks, he talks about Spider-Man 3 that no one likes, he said that wasn't the movie he wanted to make, but he was told by so many people to change things. That's why we have like the the dark Toby Maguire in that one. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, we won't talk about that. Okay, that's um, for another episode. Another episode. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, because like, it is kind of something that I mean, like, I'm not trying to put blame on anybody, any one person or anything. And sometimes these things just happen in the way that it works, and you're kind of going like, "Oh, we made a bad movie," and it's not that that wasn't our intent, and it wasn't, you know. And I mean, like, I think there's still good moments, maybe. Um, or maybe good things that you can pull out of it. I can't think of any off the top of my head now that I've said that. It's more my brain, listeners. It's <laughs> but on, And I think that's a big takeaway. There were moments, but even now, like I said, after watching the movie the first time, there was a joke I liked and the one fight scene I liked, but I still don't remember what that joke was. Exactly. So it's a movie you can watch with your eyeballs, but your memory might not remember what it is. So after a week of thinking of it, I'm not sure if we've actually had any better ideas, but hey, that is, that is Aquaman to the Lost Kingdom. So uh, go watch at your own peril. That being said, this is Brennan. This is Barbaran saying, we'll talk to you soon, Saskatoon. Okay, awesome. Uh, there were things on that list that I haven't seen. So those are always good tips. Always. And maybe I will still see Aquaman. And we still need to see Ferrari. So. We, we do. We do. Okay, I want to talk about some comics. So, a couple of things that came out this week and last week that I finally got around to reading. The first one I want to talk about is, it's called Under Heist. And this is the work of Maria and David Lapham with the help of Hillary Jenkins as a colorist. And it's about a heist, but it's basically a group that's going to steal from a group that's doing the heist. They're like underground workers. They, they work for like transit or whatever. And so they know all of the different tunnels and stuff. And it just happens that this group is planning this heist and they're using the tunnels. So they're going to wait until they've completed the robbery and then just take what they got. Sounds like Omar from The Wire. Exactly like Omar from The Wire. And it's good. Um, it's kind of fun. If you like the heist concept, you son of a bitch, I'm in, then you should do. You should really, really enjoy this. The panels are very structured. It is pretty typical David Lampham things, and I think it's going to be good. I'm really looking forward to number two of that one, so you might want to get on board with that. The next one that I want to talk about is Andrew Cranky's Bloodrick. Now, he has... I guess he's best known in the last few years for doing animation. He's been doing a lot of stuff uh, on Adult Swim. And this feels like an animation, even though it is very much a comic. And it's sort of, I guess, like Conan-ish. I was going to say, it giving me Conan vibes just watching you flip through. Yeah, so you've got this like super buff hunter, and he's by himself, and he's out in the winter. And if he doesn't find something soon to hunt, he's going to die. And so it's just like him in the snow, and 
it's really cool. I really love the style of the art and you are following this journey of this hunter and yeah, he gets hung up about this like pheasant and there's something really beautiful and charming about it. So that is one that you should pick up if you haven't already. And that one's been out, I think a couple of weeks. So number two will be right on the horizon. Petrol Head, number three. This came out, and we talked about when number one came out. We did a bit of a, a review. This is story by Rob Williams with art and letters and graphic design by Pi Parr. And it's about... Uh, yeah, what is it about? It's about okay. a, well, it's about, a post-apocalyptic gearhead society. Yes. So these people used to love these robots that would race cars, but now they're kind of past fuel. And so they're, they've been made pariahs. Meanwhile, there's a scientist and his daughter who are trying to escape the city and they're getting help from these robots and their cars. And this issue is jam-packed, lots of adventure, lots of action, and we take a little turn at the end of it. So I won't say much more than that because I do want people to get on board with this. It's image and it's really, really kind of a, a fun little romp. And all the cars and robots look great. So yeah, worth picking up. And then the last one that I want to share is one that I picked up because Tony told me to. Oh. Uh, he picked this one up. I bought it, but I hadn't read it yet. And he said, no, you got to read it. It's called Pine and Merrimack. And if you like the, the TV show Heart to Heart, then you <laughs> will love this. It is about a husband and wife private eye team. She was a detective and he was like a boxer and they met because his partner, her best friend got killed and she was investigating the murder. They fell in love. They got married. He retired from boxing and she kind of retired from being a cop and they decided to open their own detective agency. So he's the muscle, she's the mind. They solve crimes and they investigate things and it's fun. I really like the style. The the writing is is snappy. It's written by Kyle Starks and it's illustrated by Fran Galan. So very very cool. Yeah, a good read. Interesting. So, yeah. So those are just a couple of things that you might want to try out in the comics realm. And that pretty much wraps up our show for another week. Guess we're out of time. We are out of time. So you know where to find us here every Friday at 6 p.m. on CFCR, brought to you by Amazing Stories. And in the meantime, keep your dukes up. <laughs> <laughs>